Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Unfortunately, we see within denominations today that these positions of service, suddenly the church is serving them rather than them serving the church. And what a shame that is. Unfortunately, we see that error being replicated over and over through the church, through various denominations. So if we move away from the definition, if we move away from the usage of the position of deacon as prescribed by many of the main churches, we realize that the job of the deacon isn't a power position within the church. It's something that, again, serves the church body. The role of leadership has been well established throughout countless societies and cultures, both large and small. From government corporations, small organizations, and even the family, leadership is crucial for success in any given structure. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us the importance of leadership within the church from a biblical perspective. In our study, we learn that rather than a dictatorship, leaders within a body are to look out for the well-being of others, physically and spiritually. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, The Call for Servants. What started out good, man got involved in and twisted and turned things around. That's why the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus saying, hey, you need to go and you need to set things in order. Because beloved, once we move beyond the Holy Spirit's working and moving and directing in our life, once the logic of man comes into play, we're going to mess it up. I can guarantee you, we are going to mess it up. And that's what we have here today as Paul writes these things to Timothy and Titus. It's also interesting to see that, that, that Paul actually only speaks of two required offices within the church, and that's the elders, those that are responsible for the spiritual direction of the church and the teaching of the Word of God, and then the ones that are the, the deacons, those that are responsible for organizing and setting up the ministry to meet the various needs of, of the body of believers that are there. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have other areas within the ministry. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have nursery workers within the church. Amen? I mean, I'm glad that we got Sunday school teachers within the church. So necessary for us. We have other areas of ministry there. But these two, Paul, again, zeroes in on the the bishops or the overseers, the elders. We've looked at that again, how those are all interchangeable. We've already spent a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, on those positions, the position of the bishop, the episkopos, the, the elder, the presbyteros, and the pastor or, or shepherd, the, the poimen. We, we've seen those. We, we also saw over the last couple of weeks how those interchanged together. 
So again, when we look at this, now we're going to look at that position of deacon, the diakonos. Now, I'm sure that a lot of you are probably saying, man, that is the longest introduction he's ever made to be able to get into the teaching. Or maybe some of you were figuring, okay, uh, he thought that maybe he was ready to go ahead and have everybody stand for closing prayer. But no, we're actually going to get into the study of 1 Timothy chapter 3. So if you want to flip over there, that's where we're at this morning. But I wanted to lay that foundation so that you fully understood who these men were and why they were there. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, look down in verse 8. We've already covered the first seven verses. Now we're in verse 8. Paul writes, likewise, likewise what? Well, likewise, just like what we've been sharing about the bishops or the overseers, he says, well, likewise, deacons must be reverent not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Verse 12, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Love it. We've looked over these things over the last couple of weeks. Uh, One of the first things you'll see is that many of these requirements or qualifications for the deacons fall right in line with the requirements of the qualifications that we had for the bishops or the overseers. Because of that, we're only going to touch briefly on many of these things. We'll just kind of reference back to what we've already covered, what we've already said. If you missed either of the last couple of weeks of study, I want to encourage you to either download it from calvarycg.org org or go to the office ask for again a uh, a cd of the last couple of weeks studies so that you can again bring all of these things together i believe that again it's very important that we understand these things within the life of the church now as we look at the requirements of the deacon we can clearly see that there, there's about 13 of these in the list He says that he needs to be reverent, and we'll be covering these things more in uh, along next week. But reverent that that doesn't mean that he walks around with his hands in his sleeves and his head down low and and wearing a dark robe and you know he's always in with a somber face. No, that means that he takes the things of God seriously within his life. Not double tongue. That means that he's not saying one thing to this group and something else to this group, but he says the same thing at all times not given to much wine. We covered that uh, a great amount as we looked at the the position of the the bishops. And we'll look a little bit more as we get into this. Not greedy for money. In verse nine, he says, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. And again, we, we spoke about that even with the elders, this idea of my life is not carrying something that again brings guilt within me. I continually bring that before the Lord. That he's to be one who is tested. What does that mean? But that again, you've seen him in action. He's somebody that's already serving. It's not that he says, well, if you'll make me a deacon, then I'll start serving the people. No, you need to look at the guy and make sure. I remember a few number of years ago, there was a young guy within the church and uh, he came up to me one day and he says, you know, I, I would... I, 
I would really like to become a pastor. And I thought, man, that's so exciting, man, a young guy wanting to go into the ministry. Again, I can draw him together, man, or I can start pouring into this young guy's life. And as we continue on in the conversation, he said, but I really don't like people. On one hand, I could understand that. Some, you know, Mondays are like that. But, but in an overall sense, it's kind of, what do you mean you don't like people and yet you're called to the ministry? And he says, well, I figure once I'm ordained, God will give me that love for the people. No, it doesn't happen that way. The gift comes first. The, the ministry comes first and then the calling. It's not that suddenly God uh, you know, waves a, a magic wand or touches you on the head and suddenly you have all of these things. No, he needs to be tested even as a deacon. What's, what, what is that individual doing now? Are they, do they have a, a, a servant's heart now? So they need to be tested and they need to be found blameless. And again, as we look that with the elders, it's that idea that there's nothing in their life that the enemy could take a hold of. Again, that old wrestling term of, of not giving the enemy an opportunity to grab them. Then verse 11 says, likewise, their wives must be reverent. Now, we're going to get into this idea of the, is it uh, the wife of a deacon or is it actually a, a deaconess that they're talking? Were there women deacons that were serving? Uh, how, how is this really and truly translated here? Well, we'll get into that, but for right now, whether it be a deacon's wife or whether it be a woman who serves as a deacon, it says that they need to be reverent as well as not slanderers. They need to be temperate and they need to be faithful in all things. And so we look at all of these that that are there. And then in verse 12, he drops back into speaking directly of those, it's uh, the men that would serve as deacons. And he says, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their homes well. And I just got to tell you, my brain is so weird at times. As I was looking at this this last week, and I I just saw that uh, in verse uh, 12, where it says, let deacons be the husbands of one wife. With all the confusion, that we see within the church and dealing with divorce and and the marriage thing and how they read things and try to interpret things, uh, my brain was saying, now, is he saying there that all of the deacons are married to one wife? Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife? Or what does he say? No, that's not what he's saying, okay? But again, it's just like with the bishops or the overseers or the elders, a a one-woman man, and we'll look at that again as we get into it. Ruling their children and their house as well. In other words, there is some uh, structure, organization, and authority in that man's life already being demonstrated. And once again, uh, I, I think it is of utmost necessity for me to bring out to you and to help you to understand that just like for the episcopos, for the elders or the overseers, These qualifications, these requirements listed here for the diakonos, for the deacon, they really need to be viewed more as the principle or the character of the individual. Again, not just a simple checklist that you go down the checklist. Yep, he matches. Boom, put him in place. 
No, there's an overall structure here that I believe that Paul is trying to help Timothy and you and I to understand. There were things, I believe, that were left out in, in, in the practical application of these things that, that uh, you think, well, there's some things we'd like to see in that man who serves as a deacon. Does he have any kind of a devotional life? Does he have any kind of prayer life? Is he a man of the word? None of these things really does Paul bring out. I believe that it's an assumption by Paul's part that, listen, if somebody is going to serve that, that ought to be already there. But again, we're looking at the principle. We're looking at the character of these individuals. Now, along with the issues of the qualifications, outside of what we see in, in, in the book of Acts there in Acts chapter 2, the calling of certain men for that daily assistance to the widows, the New Testament doesn't really give us any kind of a clear uh, listing of the duties of the deacon. What are, what are they supposed to actually be doing? Oh, we could go back to, again, the Old Testament or the synagogue uh, job of the Hassan and say, well, that's a part of it. Church history doesn't give us a whole lot of help either. As a matter of fact, since the early centuries, as the church began really being organized, particularly uh, around A.D. 300 when Constantine, the emperor of Rome, saw the vision in the clouds of a cross and suddenly he thought he would then legitimize or make legal Christianity. And suddenly Christianity became the official religion of Rome. And very quickly we realized that there was a non-biblical hierarchy that, that started to be developed, power that's brought into people life. And that whole position of the deacon originally intended to be a position of humble service to the body of Christ. Pretty soon it became a position of power, a position of authority within the church. And unfortunately, we still see these things within the church today. Unfortunately, we see within denominations today that these positions of service, suddenly the church is serving them rather than them serving the church. And what a shame that is. Unfortunately, we see that error being replicated over and over through the church, through various denominations. So if we move away from the definition, if we move away from the usage of the position of deacon as prescribed by many of the main churches, we realize that the job of the deacon isn't a power position within the church. It's something that, again, serves the church body. Let's look at what we do know about the deacons. We look at the, the secular etymology of the word, the, the background, the growth of that word. Diakonos was actually had, had a very literal meaning of through the dust through the dust. And it was the idea of a servant sweeping the, the broom and, and raising dust. And you look through the dust, what's going on? Oh, that's the servant. That's the diakonos, very busy about his job. Even as we've shared earlier, the, the standard Greek translation or definition of diakonos was a, a humble servant, a waiter, a steward, or a messenger. Biblically, in, in Acts 2, definitely we, we see uh, that it helps give us some kind of an understanding the diakonos, uh, again, became that that ministered or served the physical needs of the body of believers. So we look, and along with these, we look at the qualifications of the deacon or the elder. We see that the deacons were not required to teach. 
whereas the elders were. So very quickly, we understand one of their responsibilities then would not be in teaching the church. That doesn't mean that they could not teach. It just meant that that was not their responsibility. We find that, again, the deacons, though they said you need to have your home in order, uh, as he told the elders, you need to have your home in order order because if you can't take care of your own house, how are you going to take care of the household of faith? Well, that's not the same regulations that's given for the deacons. Yes, they're supposed to have their house in order, but they're not giving a ruling or a leading position in the church. That function belongs to the elders. So where am I going with all of this? I just want to share with you that over the last several weeks, in doing a a fresh new study on Timothy and on Titus, just again in in my own personal life, looking and trying to re-understand or be refreshed in this whole idea of the structure and the order of the church, positions of leadership, the call of hearts of service, the need of the body of Christ to be and to act as the body of Christ. A phrase that I used at least a year ago and maybe more has really kind of come back to haunt me. And that's that idea of are we going to church or are we truly the church? You see, gang, so often it's so easy for us to come in. We expect the air conditioning to be right. We expect the chairs to be comfortable. We expect the lights to be there. We expect to be able to come in and have someone leading us in praise and worship. We expect to have someone come and open up the word of God to us. And all too often, church becomes an event for the body of Christ. All too often, Church becomes like a theater. I pay the right price. I come and sit. I'm entertained for an hour or two. And then I go home and nothing changed. I believe that all too often we're missing the reality and the purpose of who and what the church is. And this idea of these deacons that are serving one another is one of those things that you and I need to truly grasp hold of. As you can already see, it's going to take us a while to get through First and Second Timothy and Titus. I understand that. There's going to be a lot of repetition along the way. Paul repeats himself multiple times. I'm going to be repeating myself multiple times. But you know one of the things that I found out as a guy? The more you repeat it to me, the more I get it anyway. So I'm not worried about repeating some things. But I hope that we begin grasping, again, our place, our place position in Christ. Some of the things I might be sharing over the next coming weeks might be very uncomfortable for some that are here, but it's things that need to be said. It's things that need to wake the church up out of our slumber. We sang the song last couple of weeks, awaken, awaken, awaken me. Beloved, I believe that the church needs to be woken up. I believe that we need to understand that if this is our church body, God has a place. God has a reason why we're here. It's not just to come in and be entertained for an hour or two. Lord, what would you have me do? Where would you have me serve this local body? When we look at what was going on in the early church, 
reason they got deacons is to organize what's going on. It was already, remember when we read in Acts 2, it was already happened. They, they were already feeding the widows. They just weren't doing it right. So the apostle said, hey, let's, let's appoint these guys to, to kind of organize this thing and to get it right. You and I, as believers, we ought to be the church. We ought to be actively involved. That ought to be the passion of our heart, to be the very body of Christ. There ought to be that idea of service to one another. There ought to be that idea and that outlooking of what our community needs and how we as a corporate group together could do so much more in these areas than one or two of us. So God might raise upon your heart and in your spirit. Pastor, I believe that the Lord is speaking to us in in this area. I believe the Lord is speaking to us in in that area. And then we can pray and see what God is doing in order that we, as the church, don't simply look at this as four walls of entertainment. But we look at it as a place where we come, we get equipped, we get empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and do the work of ministry, both here locally and beyond. My hope, my overall desire is that that we'll become challenged as the body of Christ to be united in purpose, united in vision, united in passion for the call of Christ in our own personal lives, and then also for the vision of God for this fellowship of believers and beyond. Why does God have you here? Why are you here? Is it because this church is the closest one to your house? Then maybe you ought to go to another church. Is it because this church has more comfortable chairs than the last place? Go buy you a chair and go someplace else. But if you're here because the Holy Spirit called you here to this place, If you're here because you know that here, not only are you being fed, but there's an opportunity to use my gifts and the callings within my life for the, not only for the body of Christ here, but also for the community that we live in, live in. And let's join together. Let's encourage one another. As iron sharpening iron, let's encourage and and spur one another on to good works. That's why we come and fellowship together. That's why the church incorporates together in order that together we're able to do more than any one of us could ever do. Beloved, we need to realize that it's not just deacons that are called to be servants. You and I are called to be servants, each one of us who claim the name of Christ within our lives. And you know what? There's so many times during this time of the season that we can just kind of feel Man, let's just, let's just back down. I can fully understand that. But my heart, my prayer, is that we as a ministry would take this time of the year to kind of regroup, to refocus personally as families and as a church of, Lord, why are we here? Paul sent Timothy and Titus to put things in order. Maybe it's time we regroup once again. Just because we're 26 years in ministry doesn't mean that we're doing everything right. As a matter of fact, uh, I could tell you many things that through the years we've done wrong, things that we need to grow in, things that we need to correct in. 
There's many things that God's been laying on my heart over the last few months that I believe that, again, He's calling for you and I to change business as usual. And instead of coming to church, that we really and truly would be the church. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor David's study in the book of 1 Timothy. This book is filled with valuable instruction for church leadership, yet holds plenty of instruction for Christians in general. We can all be leaders in our own sphere of influence, and studying 1 Timothy will give us great insight into God's values in this area. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message on the open word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this program, Pastor David's here to tell you how. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared. Just go to theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teaching with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at our website, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website, once again, is theopenword.com. That's all we have time for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of 1 Timothy, right here on The Open Word. This one.